It is John chapter 21, verses 20 to 25. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Yes, we come to the end of the Gospel of John. It's uh, bittersweet. It's been a good journey. It's a wonderful part of the Bible. Uh, And... This is no exception uh, in John as just uh, yeah, a really rich and uh, interesting and good way to finish uh, this part of Acts. Well, to finish the Gospel of, of John. Sorry, not Acts. <laughs> I'm looking at Acts here in the Bible. That's why I said Acts. No. Uh, the reason now that I've got, uh, I've been bringing up the Bible and putting it up here, it's not necessarily to read from it, but just to remind you that you could. Because there are Bibles on your seats. Yeah, I know, it's great, hey? Uh, and if you don't already have your own Bible, uh, it's great to be referring to the text, checking to see that what I'm saying is on the money, uh, and uh, also perhaps seeing uh, the context in which we find it. I'm going to pray as we uh, take a closer look at this section. Gracious Father, thank you so much for John. Thank you that he was Jesus' disciple and was with him uh, throughout his ministry and had a a close uh, friendship uh, with him and heard uh, amongst the other disciples and uh, what what Jesus did and said and he has written this down, written some of those things down for us. Uh, We thank you that we have this record and pray that you would help us to be sensitive to why he wrote this down, particularly as we finish off his testimony today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a, uh, there's a rumour going around uh, at the moment about Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. You might uh, know this rumour. No? Okay. Mark Zuckerberg is the tech billionaire, uh, Facebook co-founder and owner of Instagram. And uh, Elon Musk is the other tech billionaire, uh, founder of SpaceX, Tesla and PayPal, to name just a few of these companies, and they're rivals in the tech space, but the rumour is that they're going to take each other on in a literal cage fight. Uh, They've apparently had conversations and they're going to fight each other (laughs) in a literal... Now, Elon is a good deal older, he's about 50-something, and Zuckerberg, I think he's mid-40s or something like that. So, the odds are on... Uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, he also, I think he's doing jujitsu, um, or so, and younger. But, you know, who knows? 
Uh, it's capturing, though, the imagination of many. There's articles about it all over the place, uh, and it's hard not to get to, um, caught up in, in the how and the why of it all. I did. I went down the rabbit hole and just <laughs> followed the uh, text messages that they'd sent to each other, and it was, you know, how it all kind of arose, and the guy who organises the MMA had got in contact with him, and they're like, yeah, yeah. So it's not difficult to kind of just get lost in it um, uh, and to get caught up in it. It's essentially a sensational rumour, despite despite all the headlines that they've agreed to. Well, nothing actually happened yet. Uh, but it's it's hard. It's hard not to get caught up in sensational rumours, right? Um, like that one. Or like uh, those uh, in the Hunter Biden laptop controversy, right? Uh, or which celebrity is dating who or broken up with who. This is This is the stuff of... Doom scrolling on our devices, right? Uh, and there's even a Christian version of this, right? Uh, where we get lost in the, in the goss about so and so, uh, from this church or that church, or who, who did or said that, um, or who's going on another holiday, or who's sending their kids to that school, or who seems to get all the breaks, who's popular, uh, or how this or that church leader said this or did that, uh, or who seems to be smashing it or putting people off, and we really, really want to know. We want to know it all. Why? Why? Maybe because we're bored. Uh, maybe maybe because our life sucks uh, and our future isn't looking that great, and so it's just a nice distraction uh, or a break, you know, kind of to, to live vicariously through others and their successes or to feel better about ourselves in their failures. Uh, and it's in this, into this space and, and this thinking, into this world doom scrolling and gossip, uh, that I reckon our passage has something to say. But before we get there, let's uh, recap on the story so far as we've coming to the end of it. After rising from the dead, Jesus appears to the disciples a third time on the beach. This time, uh, the, the disciples, they're back at Galilee, at their hometown. They've, get, they've just got a miraculous catch of fish. Jesus cooks them breakfast on the beach. And then Jesus and Peter, they go for a walk. Uh, the other disciples kind of following after them on the beach. And uh, Jesus stresses three times to Peter that if Peter is to love him, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter goes, yes, you know that uh, I love you. And then Peter, uh, Jesus stresses to him that if he, if he loves him, then he will take care of his people, of his flock, he calls them. And then he tells him, uh, a little bit shockingly, uh, that Peter is going to die. He's going to die doing this, loving Jesus and his people. He's going to stretch out his hands and be led where he doesn't want to go. He's going to be crucified like Jesus because of his love for Jesus and for his people. So Peter hears this, and maybe hearing this, Peter starts thinking, oh, well, that's not very nice. Uh, and so he wants to know what's going to happen with others. Well, I'm getting the, the rough end of the stick. What, what, what about others? Particularly John, this dude right behind us. And it's with that that we come to our passage today. And we'll see. Now, firstly, uh, Jesus to let Jesus worry about others is uh, what this passage is uh, directing us to. And secondly, uh, to respond personally to Jesus. That with Jesus, it's personal. So firstly, uh, let Jesus worry about others, which is essentially 
what Jesus tells Peter to do. So from verse 20, after he's just going, what about him? About John, Peter turned and saw the other, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, was following him. Uh, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at, at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Well, that John, uh, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Peter wants to know what's planned for John. What John's life is going to be like. Maybe because he's feeling hard done by. Maybe thinking, you know, I'm going to be led uh, where I don't want to go and die. What about him? What's he getting? And Jesus responds, verse 23, if you want to, re- if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? Now Jesus doesn't actually say that John would remain alive, just that he, if you wanted him to, right? And, and, and this, whether Jesus wanted him to or not, is none of Peter's business. What Jesus wanted him to focus on was himself and what he himself is doing with Jesus. Verse 22 again, he says, you, don't worry about him, you must follow me. Jesus tells him, don't worry about others, focus on you, on yourself, following me. But this seems to be a little bit of an issue uh, for people, for, for us now and for those back then, because the rumour the rumour about John, it lingered for years. Now, verse 23, uh, John writes, because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple wouldn't die. Now, there's no doubt that's a pretty cool rumour, right? Uh, firstly, for disciples back then, can you imagine? Because if John's not going to die until Jesus returns, that means every day, every moment, every second of John's life is like a doomsday clock. Right, uh, the older he gets, the closer Jesus is uh, to coming back. Right, you can imagine this kind of firing the other disciples' imagination to fever pitch, uh, making them super keen to follow John's life and activities down to every detail, desperate to know when Jesus returns. Are you dead yet? <laughs> I mean, that's a bit morbid. But uh, and if he didn't die in their lifetime, which he didn't, because well, if he didn't die in their lifetime, because Jesus hasn't returned yet, then he must still be alive somewhere. Well, that's a cool idea, right? Maybe, maybe he's um, he's doing the Highlander or the Eternals thing, you know, living for a few years in one spot at a time, moving on before loved ones and friends notice that he's not aging like they are. Perhaps saving a death here and there to get out of a marriage. Um, some some Mormons actually believe this. Um, they claim the Apostle John appeared in America uh, in the nineteenth century. Uh, to their founder, Joseph Smith, under the name of uh, Elias. So, so there's no doubt it's a gripping rumour, uh, a rumour that still lingers, but a rumour that even in his own lifetime, John was keen to put the brakes on. So verse 23 again, he says, But Jesus didn't say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? Uh, John is careful to stick to what Jesus actually said. Not what others have spun a great rumour from, you know, that John wouldn't die. There's no doubt uh, Jesus could keep John alive until he returns. He's God. He can do whatever he likes. But that's not Peter's business. That's not anyone's business. That's between Jesus and John. And so what Peter, and so what Jesus told Peter then, he tells us. It's none of your business what others might do in their walk with Jesus. You and me, we 
need to personally follow Jesus first. To focus on what we're doing with Jesus before we focus on others. <laughs> Many years ago, I, I knew a guy who was not only a strong Christian, but an exceptionally uh, talented and, and successful artist. He lived uh, in an enviable part of Sydney. He had a beautiful Christian uh, girlfriend. He had it all, uh, including a homosexual inclination. I admired him greatly. Uh, he was not only kind and caring and thoughtful and intelligent, but he was, he was just intriguing. He, was, he fascinated me. And he fascinated others. And a lot of my conversations with other Christians uh, were about him, about what he was doing, about where he was at, about his thinking on this or that, about church and living as a Christian, particularly with a homosexual inclination. Uh, too much of our conversations... But a lot of it was really none of our business. It was between Jesus and him. And we could have been, should have been, talking much more about our own walk with Jesus. And maybe that's something, you know, that's something that we can all very easily fall into. Quick to talk about others and where they're at with Jesus, how they seem to be doing things right or wrong, about how they're doing what we can only dream of doing, about their successes, about their failures. Maybe we're quick to that, but slow to focus on our own walk with Jesus. Now. Yeah, quick to, to linger on what others are doing, perhaps what we wish we were doing, or judging them for what we wouldn't do, but slow. Slow to spend time on our own personal walk with Jesus. And what we, and what that should look like for us in the circumstances that we find ourselves now. Not in what we hope they are later. It seems this is what Jesus wants from us first. You and me, we need to follow Jesus now, as he individually calls each of us to do. Our response to Jesus needs to be, and always is, personal. Which brings us to the second point. Uh, with Jesus, it's personal. Jesus' answer to Peter then is his answer to us now. Don't worry about what the others are doing. You just get on with personally following me first. How? Well, firstly, by listening to John, whose testimony to Jesus is true. So verse 24, uh, we read, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. It seems that uh, at this point, uh, John puts down the pen uh, as he's writing John uh, the gospel, and then others who know him and can vouchsafe what John's written about Jesus, they pick up his pen and confirm his testimony is true. They write it down. Uh, who these people are, it's not clear, but they clearly know that the disciple mentioned here is the Apostle John, who is the very same person who wrote this gospel down. And he was deliberately selective in what he wrote, and necessarily so. As he picks up his pen again to finish off uh, the gospel, he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Now, at first glance, that might sound like a little bit of exaggeration. Yeah, really? Not enough room in the whole world to contain everything that Jesus did? I visited a gallery uh, recently uh, in Chippendale, it's a gallery called the White Rabbit. It's quite cool. Anyway, the, the first exhibit was a bunch of huge shapes. 
Uh, do you know what they're made of? Uh, it's pretty hard to tell there. I didn't know even when I was up close. Books. They're made of books. Amazing, right? Thousands. Thousands of books. All glued together and shaved and packed. Yeah, amazing. Well, can you imagine the world overly crammed by these book objects? Yeah. So much so that the world just couldn't contain the amount of books in them. Can you imagine that? You know, they're kind of drifting off the planet because there's just not enough space for them. All these book shapes. No, me neither. And neither can the internet. <laughs> uh, I asked the online artificial intelligence uh, chat, GPT-4, uh, during the week, what it thought about the idea that even the whole world wouldn't have room for the books that would be written about Jesus. This was its reply. This is what the internet says. While the number of books on Jesus Christ may be vast, it would not reach a point where the physical world becomes incapable of holding them. Thanks, chat GPT. But then I asked a follow-up question. If Jesus Christ is God, would it be possible? And this is what the AI said. The notion of capturing the entirety of an infinite being with finite human-authored text is not feasible. The mystery and depth surrounding Jesus Christ cannot be fully contained or comprehended through mere words. Not bad for a robot. If Jesus is God, then everything he did, even while on earth, has infinite meaning. And so literally the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Or could be written. And this is what John has affirmed and testified to in what he did write. Yeah, right from the very start. John 1.1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. Before there were any books about him, there was the Word. And the Word was God. And this God became flesh. So John 1.14, the Word, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And perhaps the same we that's mentioned there is the same we mentioned at the end of the Gospel uh, that confirm and affirm John's authorship and testimony to Jesus at the at the end. They, they join John in affirming that Jesus is God. That he said he's the light of the world in this gospel, that he takes away the sins of the world, that he's the source of eternal life, that he is the only way to God, that he's God himself. And to show this before their very eyes, Jesus raises the dead, he heals the sick, miraculously feeds thousands, walks on water, suffers and dies on a cross, and rises himself from the dead three days later. And John records all these things that they heard and that they saw so that whoever reads the gospel might believe him in him. As John said earlier, and importantly, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these, what I have written, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote what he did about Jesus for a purpose. He couldn't have written everything. It's impossible. But he... He didn't write everything he could have, and necessarily so, because that would have been an infinite and impossible task. But he selected the events and words that Jesus did and said deliberately and with a purpose, which he tells us earlier, which is read, that you may believe. You, the reader, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We may not have all that Jesus said and did written down for us, but we have enough to believe who he is and who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself, come in the flesh to save us and make God known to us, that we might know God's forgiveness and grace and love, that we might know him intimately and have eternal life with him by believing in Jesus. Uh, there's a cool little textual variant in verse 31 in the original Greek. Uh, in the original Greek text, the record uh, that record this verse, uh, it's a pretty even slit, split between uh, the most reliable ones, the most reliable texts. On the one hand, half of them say uh, that you may believe, while on the other hand, the other half say that you may continue to believe. And it's just one little letter in a verb <laughs> that changes those. Which leaves us with a little bit of a question. Who is John writing to? Is it to non-believers that they might believe? Or is it to believers that they might continue to believe, to be strengthened in their faith? But what if, what if, by the providence of God, through this small textual variant, it's both? That for those who are yet to believe, and it's for those who are yet to believe and those who believe, that what John's written about Jesus is for both the unbeliever and the believer. That each and every one of us, having read what John wrote, we now personally and necessarily have to respond to Jesus. For those who are not believing in Jesus then, here and now, might be a crossroads for you. What are you going to do with Jesus? He's not dead, he's alive. He's God in the flesh, come to save you and give you eternal life. What are you going to do about that? Doing nothing is actually still doing something. Doing nothing is to reject John's eyewitness testimony to Jesus. It's to reject Jesus. And reject the offer of life, eternal life, that's in his name. You will suffer eternal death and misery instead. Please... Please believe in Jesus. Believe that he is God. Believe that he loves you. Loves you enough to die for you. And rose from the dead for you to give you eternal life. Please believe it. Please believe he is your saviour. And the son of God. Not just God, but your God. And for those of us who are already believing, let's see this testimony to, of John to Jesus, this written testimony to see it as strengthening our own faith in Jesus, perhaps in the face of worrying more about others and where they're at in life and in their relationship with Jesus, to instead focus on our own relationship with Jesus first, to strengthen that, that we follow him as he's called us to personally, that we accept the circumstances he's put us in or has allowed for us to be in and follow him according to what he calls us individually to do, which will be different to the next person. Whether that be in upfront spaces or behind the scenes, whether our faithful following of Jesus leads us to love others quite publicly or privately, you know, to the praise of others or unsung, 
let's not get distracted by the seemingly better or worse lives that Jesus calls others, others to. Let's not get sidetracked by rumours and things that are done, none of our business, and instead focus on personally following Jesus. Let's spend more time strengthening our faith in Jesus by regularly reading the Bible, like the Gospel of John, or reading or listening to other good Christian material, and less doom-scrolling, perhaps, on the lives of others. Let's spend more time praying about our own walk with Jesus and honestly talking with other believers about how we might, we might follow Jesus better. And less time fueling the rumour mill about others in their walk of Jesus. So how about this? After the service, as you chat with each other, which I hope you will, be pretty weird to walk out over here and not talk to anybody, rather than go down the whole rabbit warren of inane chit-chat about stuff that you probably already know, how about asking each other how you're going with Jesus, personally? What have you learned about him recently? What are you trying to do in your life to follow him better? And carry that interest from today into the rest of your week. Deliberately set aside time each day to spend reading the Bible and praying and scheming about how you can best follow Jesus that day, today, and then every day after it. Maybe that can be the first thing that you ask yourself in the morning. Put it in your calendar. Make it a daily notification on your phone. How will I follow Jesus today? So that you can talk to others about it. So that it's perhaps the first thing on your mind to think and pray about and talk about. Because it seems Jesus wants us to personally follow him and to know personally the gift of following him now in the circumstances we find ourselves and into eternity. And to do this over fixating on the lives and faith or lack of it of others. And I'm going to pray that that might be the case for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Gospel of John. Thank you that it speaks of Jesus, that the events recorded by John and the eyewitness testimony events recorded by John of Jesus have been recorded for our sake so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. Father, for those who do not know Jesus or have not yet given their life over to him, have not believed in him wholeheartedly and relying on him for forgiveness from you and life for you, please, Move them and prompt them to put their faith in Jesus and have life, eternal life. And for those of us who are trusting in Jesus, please, by your word and the truth that has been recorded about Jesus and his words and encouragement to us, particularly here in the Gospel of John, may you strengthen our faith as we focus firstly on personally following him, being concerned and interested and deliberate and intentional about following Jesus personally, day in and day out. Help us to do this over and above, getting caught up in the rumour mill and 
overly interested in the lives of others. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.